there are some things in life that are just kind of hard to explain. You know, there's sometimes the problem is not that we don't understand it. It's the problem sometimes is that we don't seem to have the vocabulary to describe it. For example, just take 10 seconds, 15 seconds, talk to a neighbor if you've got one nearby, and try to explain to them the color blue. Go ahead, just give it a try. Alright, now you, it didn't take you a long time to realize that's almost impossible, is it not? I mean, you understand what blue looks like, you understand the color blue, you recognize it, but it's hard to have the vocabulary to describe it. Let's try another one. Try to explain time without using the word. Almost impossible. Here's, here's a good one. Try to explain the taste of water. What does water taste like? It tastes watery, right? Uh, this is my favorite. Let's talk about directions. Try to tell somebody the difference between right and left without pointing. Which way is right? <laughs> I mean, it's just hard to describe. You understand the difference between right and left, uh, but it's hard to put into words. Sometimes words fail us. We don't seem to have the vocabulary to fully explain things that we sometimes even understand. Imagine sitting down with pen and paper and trying to explain the first Christmas. Imagine trying to find the vocabulary to explain what happened on that first Christmas. Without the anointing and the leading of the Holy Spirit, I think that would have been an impossible task. But because the Apostle John had the anointing and the leading of the Holy Spirit, John, as he wrote his gospel, explained the first Christmas, and he uses in the first 18 verses, he uses different words to help us get a handle on what was happening on that first Christmas. For example, last Sunday, we talked about this phrase, the word, three times in the very first verse of John's gospel. John talks about the word. Uh, open your Bibles if you have one with you. If you don't have a Bible, there's a pew Bible there in front of you. I think it's on page 750. Or of course, if you have your electronic device, you can find it that way. But John chapter 1, verse 1, just to rehearse, remind you what we talked about last week. John is trying to take vocabulary and put into our understanding what he means about what happened on that first Christmas. And so here's the way he starts. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And we talked about that last week, so I'm not going to dig into that. But John is trying to help you and I understand what is beyond human comprehension. In the beginning was the Word. In other words, the very first Christmas in Bethlehem was part of a larger story. A story that began before time began. In the beginning was the Word. And John goes on to say, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. As the Word... Jesus was God's divine messenger to us. 
And so John uses this word picture with pen and paper in front of him trying to help us understand that when Jesus walked this earth, the deeds of Jesus were the deeds of God. When Jesus spoke, he was speaking the words of God. Jesus was indeed the living word of God. So John wants us to understand. Let me explain the first Christmas to you this way. First of all, he was the word. He was the voice of God speaking into our world. Then we're going to, today we're going to be looking at the second word that John used repeatedly in the first 18 verses to help us understand that first Christmas, to explain to us that first Christmas. The second word that John uses repeatedly, and it's the word we're going to be looking at a lot today, is the word light. In fact, John uses that word seven times in verses 4 through 9. That Jesus is the light. He is the light that we all need in this dark world that we live in. If you have your bulletin with you, we've put the text on the back of the bulletin. You take your bulletin look on the back. We've printed the text out because I want you to see visually how often John uses this word light. So just follow along as I read from the bulletin. I'm going to be reading verses 4 through 9. But just look at how many times John repeatedly uses this word light. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. So as John is trying to help us understand what was happening on this first Christmas, he talks about the Word, and now he's talking about the light. Painting another picture, if you will, to help us comprehend what was happening on that first Christmas in Bethlehem. So there's three things I want to call to your attention based on the text that we just read. Things that John emphasizes that you and I need to understand today about the first Christmas. And here's the first one. Number one, Jesus gives us life, L-I-F-E. Jesus gives us life. John says it right there in verse 4. You might want to underline these words either in your Bible or, or at least underline them on your bulletin. John says, in him, in Jesus, was life. Now, let me remind you what we learned last week, that in verse 3, we learned last week that Jesus is the source of all life. Look at verse 3. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. Ladies and gentlemen, whether you believe in Jesus Christ or not, he has given life to you, physical life. He is the source of all life. But what he's talking about in verse 4 is something different. The Greek word in verse 4, is talking about more than physical life. If you look at the text in verse 4, that word life is the word zoe, Z-O-E. Zoe is used 35 times in the Gospel of John. And every time John uses the word zoe, it always, always refers to eternal life. Jesus gives physical life to everyone, but he gives eternal life to those who believe in him. Now, I want to show you this in Scripture. I, I hope you've got your Bible. Boy, I tell you what, in the first service, I heard the pages turning. I love to hear that noise. And so I want you to turn the pages of Scripture with me. We're going to stay in the Gospel of John because I want you to see how many times Jesus referred, or John referred to Jesus as this life. 
that we all need. So, let's take our Bibles, staying in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 16. You know this verse, but let, make sure you read it with me. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes, I want you to notice this word believe, we're going to see it a lot today, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have zoe, but have eternal life. Go over two chapters to chapter 5, verse 24. Chapter 5, verse 24. I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my word and believes, there's the word again. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has zoe, has eternal life, and will not be condemned. Watch, I love this. He has crossed over from what, church? From death to life. That's the difference Jesus can make in your life right now. Those watching online, I want you to know that through Jesus Christ, you can cross over from death to life. Continue going through the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 10. I hope you're writing down these references, and you can maybe write some cross-references in your Bible later as you go back and review your notes. John, chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus again is speaking. He says, the thief, referring to Satan, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy Jesus says, I have come that they might have zoe, that they might have life, eternal life, and have it to the full. Look in verse 28, same chapter, verse 28. Jesus says, I give them eternal life, zoe, and they shall never perish, and no one can snatch them out of my hand. Look in chapter 11, verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life, the Zoe. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. That's why he's talking about Zoe. He who believes in me, there's that word again, believes. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. Chapter 14, verse 6. That famous scripture that says, I am the way and the truth and the life, the zoe, and no one comes to the Father except through me. John makes, us, makes the case that Jesus Christ, when he came on that first Christmas, brought life into our world, but not just physical life. He brought eternal life into our world. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're living without Jesus Christ, you have physical life, but you don't know what real life is. Real life is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one person that can make life worth living. See, eternal life, by the way, is not just about the duration of life. It's also referring to the quality of life. Let's just be real honest. If eternal life was just about the duration of life, some of you would say, I don't want that. I don't want to keep living forever the way I'm living right now. I've got enough heartache, I've got enough problems, I've got enough illness, I've got enough difficulty. I don't want to live forever the way I'm living right now. There would be nothing appealing about eternal life in that format. But that's not what he's talking about. Eternal life refers to the life that you live when you are connected to the eternal God. Only God is eternal. And the life He gives us is the life of Himself. 
So we're not talking about just the duration of life. We're talking about the quality of life. We're talking about the type of life that you live. Living life to its fullest. Living life at its best. Living life lived in fellowship with God. Eternal life. John says that on that first Christmas, Jesus was coming not to just give us mere human life, but Jesus was coming to give us all the opportunity to have zoe, to have eternal life, a life connected to the eternal God. Then he goes on and he says, secondly, Jesus not only gives us life, but watch this, I love this transition. Jesus gives us light. I'm going to tell you why. Look at me for a moment. I'm going to tell you why that's so important. Because we all are living in a world of darkness. All of us are. So John describes it this way. Go back to John chapter 1. I want you to notice this connection, this transition between life, L-I-F-E, and light. Look at chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. In him was life, and watch this transition, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. This divine life that Jesus would embody as He walked the face of this earth, as He embodied eternal life, as He lived out His life, He brought light into our world. His life was our light. Everywhere that Jesus went, it's interesting, everywhere that Jesus went, everywhere that Jesus walked, He was bringing light into the darkness. His very life was bringing light into the darkness. Again, let me show you this in the Gospel of John. This is one of the major themes in throughout the Gospel of John. So let me show you a few examples of that. Go to chapter 8, verse 12. John chapter 8, verse 12. John chapter 8, verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Notice that connection. But will have the light of Zoe, the light of eternal life. I love the way he describes this. I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. You don't have to stay in the darkness. You don't have to be captured by the darkness of sin, in this world that is dark with sin, you don't have to stay there. Jesus makes a way for us. He is the light that helps us step out of the darkness into the life He wants us all to live. Let me show you this again in Scripture. Chapter 9, John chapter 9, verse 5. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Chapter 12, John chapter 12, verse 46. I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in the darkness. Somebody here today and you need that, don't you? Because the world that you're living in, the darkness you feel inside is very, very real. The darkness has captured you and captivated you and and you feel prisoner to the darkness in your life, the darkness in your heart, the sin that is there. You you become chained by your own sin, chained by your own desire, and the darkness has engulfed you. And Jesus says in this verse, I have come into into the world as a light so that no one 
who believes in me. There's that word believe again. So that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. One of the reasons we have so many lights this year at Christmas at Mount Airy, and I have no idea how many lights that we've put up, but tens of thousands, I'm sure. That's not preacher exaggeration. That is absolute gospel. I think there are tens of thousands of lights. It would boggle our mind to know how many lights we actually have up. But one of the reasons we have so many lights up at Christmas at Mount Airy, we want to communicate to the people who walk onto our campus tonight that there is one who is the light of the world, and his name is Jesus. Dear friend, you might be living in darkness right now, but by the authority of the Word of God, I'm here to tell you, you don't have to stay in the darkness. You don't have to stay there. Your life can be different. But listen to me, it will not be because you made the difference. Christianity is not a self-help program where I'm trying really hard to be a better version of me. That's not Christianity. Christianity is not helping you just to be a better you. Christianity is trusting in Jesus to conquer the darkness in your life so that His light can shine in your life. Let me go back to chapter 1, verse 5, and maybe this will help you understand. Chapter 1, verse 5, there's a contrast. In chapter 1, verse 5, a contrast between darkness and light. I want you to see this contrast, verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Some translations say, but the darkness has not overcome it. Scholars are not exactly sure what that last word really means in the Greek language. The darkness has not understood it or the darkness has not overcome it. Regardless of how you translate that word, the idea is that the light is always greater than the darkness. I like the New Living Translation. It says, the light shines through the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. I was in this room last night, and it was dark. Uh, it was late last night. I was in here, and it was, all the lights were off, and it was dark. Have you ever been in a dark room? You walk into it. Let's say the power goes out at your house. It's in the middle of the night. The power goes out in your house, and you walk into, the, into a dark room. What's your first inclination? Well, your first inclination is probably flip the light switch. And then you realize, oh, that, well, that's stupid. That's not going to help anything. Power's out. No, your first inclination probably is to get a candle or to get a flashlight. Somehow, you're trying to bring light into that darkness, right? So let's just say that you find a candle and you light the candle. Now, answer this question. It's so easy, but answer this question. When you light the candle, does the light overcome the darkness or does the darkness overcome the light? Light always overcomes the darkness, Light always, ladies and gentlemen, light always overcomes the darkness. Always. It is not by accident that Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And you don't have to stay in the darkness. Because light always overcomes darkness. Always. Darkness is very real. Darkness is sometimes oppressive and it's almost like you can feel the darkness around you. But as soon as there is light, the darkness is gone. John chapter 3, look how John describes this. This is the amazing part, the frustrating part, the the irony of it all. John chapter 3 verse 19 through 21 says this. Jesus is speaking and he says, this is the verdict. 
light has come into the world. But, watch this, this is the irony of it all. Light has come into the world, but men loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done, watch this, has been done through God. That's underlined in my, my Bible. Has been done through God. When I was little, I bet you did this too, some of you. When I was little, remember, I grew up in East Tennessee. And, you know, we just running around outside a lot. And when I was little, one of my favorite things to do was to find big old rocks in the field and just pull, pick them up or pull them over. And there'd be bugs under the rocks. And as soon as you pull that rock up like that and all of a sudden the light hits those bugs all of a sudden guess what they do they start scurrying looking for the darkness again don't they they're not comfortable in the light it's exactly what Jesus said he said listen even though I'm the light of the world for some people that is not a comforting thought for some people they love darkness rather than light because the light exposes their dark deeds and they're more comfortable scurrying back into the darkness. If I could summarize it for you this way, I would say Jesus is always inviting you into the light and Satan is always trying to pull you back into the darkness. And we're faced with a decision. So we go to chapter 12. Let me show you this, how it, John talks about this in chapter 12, verses 35 through 36. John chapter 12, verse 35. Jesus told them, you are going to have the light just a little while longer. That is, he was not going to be on the earth that much longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. The man who walks in the dark does not know where he's going. But, here's, the, here's what you need to do. Verse 36, put your trust in the light while you have it. So that you may become sons of of light. Put your trust, not in the darkness, put your trust in the light. And then he says in verse 46, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. So that no one, no one without exception has to stay in the darkness. No one without exception, no matter who you are, no matter how bad things have gotten in your life, no matter how deep you are into the darkness of this world, no one has to stay in the darkness because the Lord Jesus Christ is the light of the world and He can enable you and enable me when we believe in Him. He enables us to step out of the darkness and we become sons of the light. Which brings us to the third point. I want to wrap this up quickly. We'll go back to chapter 1. John chapter 1 with me. Here's the third thing John tells us in these verses. He says God or Jesus gives us the opportunity. Jesus gives us the opportunity to become children of God. I want to walk through this text with you. And I just want you to 
go on a journey with me. I want you to take the Word of God, and I want you to walk through the text with me, verse by verse, because these next few moments are going to be critically important for someone. In verse 6, we start the journey. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. John, that is referred to here, was John the Baptist. A relative of Jesus, perhaps a cousin. Born six months before Jesus was born. He came with a very specific purpose. In fact, if you'll notice in verse 6, there came a man who was sent from God. Notice that. John the Baptist was literally sent from God with a singular purpose in life. And here it is, verse 7. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him, through John and his testimony, so that through him all men might believe. That word believe is an important word, isn't it? We've seen it all through the text today. So that through him all men might believe. So John dedicated his entire life to helping people believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That was his purpose for coming. That was his mission in life, was to help men and women, boys and girls, believe in Jesus Christ. And in fact, that was not only the purpose of his life, that was the purpose of the book that he wrote. The book that, that, that John uh, the Apostle wrote. Look, look what John the Apostle said. John the Apostle said in chapter 20, Verse 30 and 31. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that by believing you may have Zoe, life, eternal life in his name. So John the Baptist came to declare, to testify who Jesus is. John the Apostle wrote down this gospel for the same purpose, to declare who Jesus is. Going back to chapter 1, verse 8, walk through the text with me. He himself, John the Baptist, was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. You might want to write down in the column of your Bible or in the notes there on the bulletin that John the Baptist was a reflector. He came to bear witness to the light. He was like a reflector. Of the light. That was his purpose. John the Baptist was much like the moon. I like to, when I'm outside at night, one of the things I almost always do is I look up for the moon. I like it when, the moon, when it's like a full moon and it's big and it's bright. And I stand there in amazement because the thing that amazes me is that you know probably that the moon is not a light source. The moon is just a big chunk of rock. But there's no light source there. Talk to me, you, you know the answer to this. Where does the light come from that we see in the moon? Where does that light come from? Sun. That the moon, the moon is actually reflecting the light of the sun onto our planet. Now how that happens, I cannot explain to you. Because when I look up into that dark sky, I see what appears to me to be a light. But it actually is not a light It is reflecting the light of the sun. And John the Apostle says, John the Baptist came for the same purpose. He came not to be the light. He came to reflect the light, to show you the light. He came to let you know who the real light is. And and when you read about John the Baptist, he was never, there's not a place in Scripture where he was ever pointing to himself. He was always pointing to Jesus. He was always that reflector. 
pointing people who are living in darkness to the light found in Jesus. And so we read in verse 9, we're working our way through the text, verse 9, the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. I want you to notice that phrase, every man. It means every person. It means every person without distinction. Every person without distinction has the opportunity, has the privilege to put their faith in Christ. But not all do. Verse 10. He was in the world. Jesus, the light, was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. There are people who do that today. Maybe somebody here or somebody watching online. You just don't truly recognize who Jesus is. You're not willing to admit he's the son of God. You're not willing to acknowledge that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. You just don't recognize him. Uh, You don't see what others see. You don't believe what others believe. And that happened even in the first days of Jesus. Many did not recognize him. They would not acknowledge him. And then John goes on in verse 11. He came to that which was his own. Now, Now, verse 10, it talks about the world in general. The world in general. But in verse 11 he says, but let me tell you something. He also came to his own. And he means by that he came to his own home. He came to his own people. He came to his own nation. He came to that which was his own. His own people. His own nation. But his own. His own people. His own nation. Did not receive him. That's why the religious leaders. The Pharisees and the Sadducees. And the uh, chief priests. The religious leaders were against Jesus. Why they eventually crucified him. Was because... They did not receive him as the Messiah. And then John outlines how anyone can become a child of God. I want you to pay attention to three verbs beginning in verse 12. Yet to all who received him. There's the first one. Yet to all who received him. To those who believed. There's the second one. In his name. He gave the right to become. There's the third one. The word become. He gave the right to become children of God. He gave the right, the opportunity, the privilege to become something that you're not. He gave you the right, the opportunity, the privilege to become children of God. And he says, here's your your part in the process. To receive Him and to believe in His name. Verse 12. That your part in the salvation process is to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. That means asking Him to be your Savior, coming into your heart and into your life. You receive Him. You open the door of your life and invite Him in. You receive Him and you believe in His name. That is, by faith, you claim your faith in Jesus Christ. That He really is the light of the world. That He really is your Savior. He really did die on the cross. You, by faith, you believe that. And when we do our part of receiving and believing, God does the miracle. Look how John describes it. He gave the right to become children of God. And he describes the miracle this way. Children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. I want you to underline those last words. But born of God. Those are powerful words. Listen carefully. We have all been born of man. Every person here today, every person watching online, we have all been born of man. But only those who believed in Jesus and have received him are born of God. Ladies and gentlemen, you can go to church all your life and not be born of God. Your parents may have baptized you as a baby, but that doesn't mean you're born of God. You can be a very moral man or a very moral woman, but that does not mean that you are born 
of God. Salvation is never the result of human achievement. Salvation is always the result of God's gift to us. Born of God. I want to ask you a very basic question. Have you been born of God? There's no human achievement that can be attached to that. That's what he means in verse 13. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor of a husband's will. There's there's no human achievement that can be attached to salvation. We have no part to play in the salvation role other than receiving and believing. And when we receive and believe, that's when we are born of God, born from above. And my question would simply be this, has that happened in your life? I was watching a video that uh, someone sent me this week. Uh, It's an interview with Dr. Crawford Loritz, and it's an amazing pastor and preacher, Dr. Loritz. And I'm going to give you a few of his quotes, and I want to make sure that you understand I'm quoting him. But he said, and I quote, Some people mistakenly think that Christianity is making me a better version of myself. He says, that's not the point of biblical Christianity. He said, Jesus is not an additive to your life. Jesus wants to transform your life. So so many people have mistakenly thought that Jesus is just something they add to their life. When I was young or when I was a teenager, as a young adult or or whenever, I, I added Jesus. It's still my life, but I, I added Jesus. He doesn't exist so that you can add Him to your life. He came into this world to transform your life. So that you could step out of the darkness that you're living in, into the light and the life only He can provide. And then Dr. Lawrence said this, and this is where it really grabbed me. He said, you can't, Jesus can't just be a reference point in your life. He has to be the context of your life. Let me explain that to you. Jesus can't just be a reference point. He said, well, when I was seven back there, and, and I go back to Jesus when I, my, my marriage gets in trouble, and I call on Jesus when I can't pay my bills, and I call on Jesus when, when I'm sick or my mom is about to die of cancer, and He's a reference point for you. It's not Christianity, not biblical Christianity. Jesus is not a reference point. Jesus is the context of your entire life. Now, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to mislead you. I don't want you to misunderstand. I do have a reference point in my life. I was 11 years old, 1971. I had a reference point in my life when I trusted Christ as my Savior. Yes, I do have a reference point to point to, but He's more than a reference point. Jesus, from that day forward, became the context of my entire life. I think that's what Paul meant when he said, I've been crucified with Christ, and yet I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Paul did not refer to Jesus as a reference point, something that happened when he was seven. Paul was referring to Jesus as the context of his entire life. Dr. Lawrence said, and I quote, to be a Christian means that my life during my moment in history is the autobiography of Jesus. My life in my moment in history is the autobiography of Jesus. 
Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus came into this world on that first Christmas not to be an additive to your life, not to just be a resource to help you be a better you. Jesus came into, your, into this world so that you could step out of the darkness and you could be transformed into a completely different person. And so I want you to bow your heads with me and let me ask you a couple of questions as we close this service. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to ask you a question. Is Jesus just a reference point for you? Or is he the context of your life? And what do you mean by context, Pastor? Has there been that time where you said, you know what? I'm all in. I really am. I'm all in. Jesus is going to be the context of my life. I'm not just going to ask him to help me manage my life better. But from this day on, my life is about Jesus. From this day on, he's the context of my life. I'm going to be a follower of Christ. Not just trust that there was a time back there somewhere where I believed and I've got that reference point. But I'm going to live out my faith. And I'm trusting in Christ that my life is about Jesus now. You see, He came on that first Christmas as the light of the world. Because of darkness surrounds us and engulfs us. And he says, but you don't have to stay there. You don't have to live in the darkness. If you believe in him and receive him into your life, you can step out of the darkness into the light. Into the zoe, the eternal life that he makes possible. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray if there's anybody here and they, they haven't made you Lord of their lives. They, they just maybe had a reference point of something that happened back there some time ago, but, but their life is not about Jesus. I pray that today they would surrender and fully trust Christ as their Savior and as their Lord, that He might become the light in their world, the life that is eternal. May they experience more than what religion can provide. May they experience the life that Jesus provides. And I pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen.